Hi, Shannon Waller here, and welcome to the Inside Strategic Coach Podcast with Dan Sullivan. Dan, today we're going to talk about how to create a first-class experience. And this has always impressed me about you since we first met in 1991. This was always a value that you had. You loved being in a first-class experience. You loved mm-hmm. creating that for our clients. And I have to tell you, as from a team member standpoint, it's pretty phenomenal to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk today about what is the first-class experience and how can other people gain this mindset or this value and, and why it's so important. So let's start off by talking about, first of all, what is a first-class experience for you? How do you define it? Well, I think everybody, Shannon, has the experience of, certainly in their personal life, of going to a terrific restaurant or staying at a terrific hotel or anything in the what I would call the experience economy where you, you go, you're entertained, you know, a first-class theatrical performance It could be a first-class outdoor experience. And what makes it first-class is that you feel like the organization around the experience, in other words, whoever is in charge of putting it on, has given special thought about how you are actually going to feel as you're going through the experience. And when you have that sense that someone has really given enormous amount of thought to the experience and made sure it was really out of the ordinary, very special, very ordinary, so that you would remember it later in your life. And it seems to me that we all have those experiences. But ever since I was young, and I didn't grow up in those circumstances, so the home that I grew up in, I didn't think there was any real thought to that. And That would be true of any of our relatives. I just didn't notice anything that was really, really special. I had a remarkable experience when I was, I'm just trying to think here, I think I might have been about 12 or 13 years old. I went to Cleveland, so I grew up about 60 miles from Cleveland. So this was the early, probably around 1954, so I would have been 10 years old shows you the difference in time because I went with my mother and my sister, so we drove in. And when we got there, we parked right at the, what is called Public Square in Cleveland, and there's, at one time, the building that stands on Public Square is called the Terminal Tower. And for the longest time, it was the highest skyscraper west of New York in the United States, 40, 50 stories. So you parked underneath and you came up, and you came up through a hotel. What happened to me when we came up through that hotel, and it's the first time I had been in that hotel, I was just blown away by the atmosphere and the environment of the hotel. And this was still railroad days, so the terminal tower was Cleveland's equivalent of Grand Central Station. And then on the public square were the big department stores, and that's where my sister and my mother were going. And I made a deal with them uh, when we got to the hotel level. And I said, I will not leave this room. So it was the lobby of the hotel. I just want to sit here while you go shopping, and I'll be right here. And, you know, I was a trustworthy young boy. So I had some expense money, and I went and I plopped myself in a chair, and I just watched what went on in this hotel. And it was a grand hotel. I mean, it still exists, not as grand as it was 
60 years ago, but it's still quite a hotel right on the public square, which has all been fixed up now. The public square has gone through a real renovation in Cleveland. And I just sat there for about two hours, three hours, and I ordered a sandwich and I ordered lunch. And all the staff were in uniform. And, you know, it was very clear to me that this was a wealthier class of customer than I had ever been used to. And I just sat there. And it sort of was like I connected with something that I wanted at the center of my life. It's very funny because I gave a speech in Cleveland about 15 years ago, and Catherine Nurmer, who's on our team, she went with me. So we didn't stay at that hotel, but I took her to the hotel, and I actually took her to where I was sitting. It was a different chair, different sofa than 60 years ago. And I told her the story and she could really see it. She could really pick up why I had connected mm-hmm. with this grand hotel. I knew that defined something in the center of my life. So much, much later, when we got to the point where we could start a company, I said, you know, the number one rule is everything we do in Strategic Coach as far as the experience, that starting with our team, the experience they have of working at Strategic Coach, and then the actual experience that our entrepreneurial clients have when they come to the workshops, everything's going to be first class. In other words, we're going to design the experience that everyone has at Strategic Coach from how they feel treated from the first contact to the end of the experience and continually. So, you know, my life today, when I travel, I travel first class. When I stay at hotels, I stay at first class hotels, and I really investigate where the first class experiences are anywhere that I go. So that's a long story, but I think it's necessary for people to know that I've been at this forever. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you intentionally put yourself into other first-class experiences to pick up, oh, here's a neat new idea over here. Or I think about some of the things that you've put in place around our particular building in Toronto, everything from monogrammed napkins that people dry their hands on, the flowers that are in every restroom, even the pictures that are in the stalls, and you know the flowers in the front desk area. It's designed to be a very warm, welcoming, friendly. It's not mm-hmm. super formal, mm-hmm. but it really is a first-class experience. You're treated graciously. Dan, give the example of you at one point when clients due to traffic or whatever life circumstances, showed up at the workshop late. You were very clear with the team how you wanted them taken care of. Can you describe that? Yeah, well, first of all, being late is stressful. So I know that when they've come late that they're kind of stressed out. In some cases, they are kind of beating themselves up, you know, because they may have been late through their own lack of planning or whatever. And then the other thing is they feel a little bit guilty coming in late. So the first thing I wanted is that when if someone comes to the workshop late, you give them maximum welcome and you take care of them. You make sure they have coffee. If the breakfast is out, you make sure they have breakfast. And then you give them personal instruction about where we are with the workshop and you just make them feel welcome and get them settled and there's no 
message coming from us that anything's wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, everything's right, they're here, and we want them to get integrated and right into the thick of things as soon as they can, but, you know, get relaxed first and get settled first. And it's the way I would want to be treated. So to a certain extent, first class is simply being very, very aware of what it feels like to be treated extraordinarily well and taking note of that and then pass it on that if you feel great about this, a first-class experience, other people are going to feel great about it too. And I notice the real difference between any kind of business enterprise that has a first-class experience and others try to appear that they're giving a first-class experience. And one of the things I notice is that if you're giving a first-class experience, you don't really point it out. (laughs) I mean, you're either giving a first-class experience or you're not, and people will notice that. But there's a lot of establishments that will, for example, publish their standards and say, these are our standards. And I say, well, if you have to write down the standards so that people are aware that you have standards, you probably don't have any standards. (laughs) You know, and I can't stand it when you go into a restaurant and, you Uh know, our code of ethics or our standards of hospitality. I mean, you shouldn't have to say that. And I remember one of my role models way back in the 70s and 80s was the Four Seasons Hotel, which is a worldwide luxury brand now. But they started in Toronto, actually. It's a homegrown Toronto chain, and they were one of the first hotels in the world that had the telephone service that when you went to your room and you picked up the phone, they would automatically know who it was. They never said anything about that they had this phone system, you know, but you picked up the phone, they said, yes, Mr. Sullivan, and you were immediately identified. But you could go to any other chain hotel and they say, we have this brand new telephone system. That's, And I said, you know, if you have to say it, you're not first class. Mm-hmm. First class is just giving the experience without the commentary. That's brilliant. Yeah. So in terms of entrepreneurial companies, why is it so important to focus on being first class? What's the differentiation for you that you found? You've talked about this a lot with our clientele over the years. Why is this so relevant to entrepreneurs? It's so personal for me. It's where I want to work. You know, I mean, to a certain extent, I'm just sharing, you know, with the team at Strategic Coach and also all of our entrepreneurs that this is basically how I like to spend every day. I like to get up and everything is great. You know, where I live is great what the environment is, where Babs and I live, Toronto and Chicago. It's a pleasure to get up in the morning and walk around our house. You know, we have, as you know, really great landscaping, and we have a lot of support team members who are in our personal life, housekeepers and groundskeepers and everything else. But these simply reflect the environment that I like to live in. And I would say at the office, you know, I have a cafe instead of an office in Chicago. There's a bistro instead of an office because I don't really like offices. I like being in a place where people are having snacks, where they're having coffee, where they're conversing. So to a certain extent, I'm not trying to make any message out of this other than this is who I am. This is what my relationship with Babs 
is it's first class and we just want to wherever we can expand first class environment and first class treatment we want to expand it into everything so we're always finding new ways to actually do this mm-hmm. you know but there is a point about it from a business standpoint if we're turning it into a lesson we charge top dollar for coach compared to the marketplace we charge top dollar And I always say to the entrepreneurs, if you want to charge top dollar, don't compare yourself. I never compare a strategic coach with any other coaching program. I compare a strategic coach with other experiences where entrepreneurs write a check as big as the check that they're writing us. And that would be a top-notch hotel. It would be a top-notch restaurant. It would be anywhere, any kind of store that they go to, any kind of experience they go to. And I said, is the experience that you're having writing our check equal or better than it is when you write this size check to any other business establishment? And I said, that's what our clients are comparing us to. They're not comparing us to other coaching programs. I don't even know how other coaching programs actually operate because I've never seen them as competition. My competition is people's memory of writing a check as big as they write to strategic coach and is the experience that comes with that check equal or better than all the other experiences they've had. Oh, I love that standpoint, Dan. And a couple of other benefits I think I want to point out to that is that you attract first-class people, Mm -hmm. and that's both in terms of clientele and the team, and you keep Mm first-class people. When people can operate at a really high level and when they can be rewarded for being generous and being gracious and being kind and have that be part of the experience that you're creating for people, it's phenomenal Mm -hmm. to be part of that. You're not nickel and dimed. The backstage of Strategic Coach is beautiful. We've been making some improvements front and backstage, which is always fun. So it actually, I think, brings out the very best in people. And since we're often talking about differentiation, I think it's another way to differentiate yourself. One point you've made in the past is that organizations that you dislike the most is where their backstage is very disconnected from their front stage. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, well, I think that the terms front stage, backstage really brings the aspect of show business or theater into the discussion here. And when I go to a theater to see a great play, I want everything in the theater to match the performance that's actually on stage. So it's clean, It's everything is kept up, all the staff are first-class staff, and there's just a consistency from top to bottom that the way things are handled backstage are of equal quality to the way that things are being presented front stage. And if I get any sense that that's not true, the front stage experience is ruined. For example, where... The front stage people are going through the motions of treating you nicely, but you have a sense that they themselves are not treated nicely backstage. Then, I remember going to a famous restaurant, which was renowned for its food and renowned for its service, and they offered the possibility of being in the kitchen where the cooks were. I've done that a couple times, but I don't actually like the experience because the head chef, the person who was famous, spent most of the evening shouting at his cooks and shouting at the staff that things weren't good enough. And never once during the three hours that we were in the kitchen did he ever come over and welcome us. 
And it put me off a restaurant for the rest of my life. I never went back to that restaurant. And I said, there's something phony here because he's presenting something and making you want to believe something about his front stage. But the way he treats people backstage, you know, the general environment backstage, including not even welcoming the guests who were sitting. I mean, don't serve dinner in your kitchen if you're not going to make people feel special. So first class is easier to remember because then if it's consistent from front stage to backstage and it's consistent from bottom to top of people's experience, then there's only one thing to concentrate on, just making it the best. And you're seeing things from other people's point of view. That's really the key to all entrepreneurial success is just to see every part of the experience that people have with you from their point of view. It's great because the next question I was going to ask you was how can people take action on this? And I think that's one of the things they can do is literally walk in the front door as though you're a client in your business and experience it from their standpoint, phone in. Know, and see how the phones are answered. Yeah. See what the email response is. Sign up for your own email system and your mm-hmm. own marketing and see how it feels to be on the receiving end. Because yeah. I think that's something. And then the other thing you said, Dan, which I thought was really powerful, was to build it backwards. Mm-hmm. So identify the first-class experience you want your clientele to have and then engineer everything from that standpoint. And it's so easy because I know all of us have, well, I call it cursive knowledge, Here's a Chip and Dan Heath term. But we get so caught up in what we're used to in our day-to-day that we totally forget how other people are experiencing it. Would you add to that? Yeah. You know, one of my favorite role models in relationship to this is Steve Jobs. The mission statement, if that's what they call it, for Apple dating from when Steve Jobs was in control is that we make beautiful technology that people love using. And it was very, very interesting. I read an article back when Steve Jobs had come back because he was essentially fired at one time from Apple, and then he went out, and he brought back a tremendous number of insights and ideas that took Apple to being one of the most valuable companies in the world. But one of the things they described that when they designed a new product They actually started with the box that the product was going to come in. And he spent a lot of time, and, you know, his team would say, well, we don't even know what the product is. And he says, let's start with the customer going home and actually opening the box. Then he worked backwards from the box back to the actual product, and he defined each step of the process and what the experience of the client was. And I remember... When I bought my first iPod, you know, the iPod, you had it for a couple of years, and then it was supplanted by another iPod, and then eventually it was completely replaced by the iPhone. But for the longest time, I had my original iPod box because it was such a beautiful box, and I would throw clothing away. I would, you know, I would go through and throw 80% of what I had at the time that I purchase the iPod, but I I just can't throw this out. It's such a beautiful box. And to me, that's first class, that his thoughtfulness, there was a statement that when he designed the original iPod, he says, now let's see what it looks like on the inside. And his chief designer and engineer said, well, they can't see the inside. It's sealed shut. And he says, yeah, but we'll know what's on the inside. And so let's make the inside as beautiful as the outside. And that shows the consciousness of backstage, front stage consistency. 
And it's simple. I mean, if you just adopt the principle of design things the way that you want people to experience them, then you'll have first class in every part of your experience, especially if for some reason your clients do come backstage. They have the same sense of first class when they come backstage as they do in the front stage experience that's designed for them. That's perfect, Dan. Thank you so much. And it's fun for me to kind of dive a little bit more deeply into the whole first class experience. And I'm laughing because I literally got two, three weeks ago some brand new Apple products, which I'm using daily, and the boxes are still on my kitchen counter. (laughs) Yeah, I cannot bring myself to throw them away. So that's totally true. And again, the consciousness of when experience is designed for my enjoyment, and it just goes through every single step, we want more of that, and we're willing to pay more for that, Mm -hmm. and we want to engage more with those types of organizations. So I think first class is both something to aspire to, but also very practical in terms of a business sense. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you.